This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. One, two, one, two, three, five! to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich, and joining me today on the show is the host of the Open the Voice Gate podcast, as well as a co-host on the Everything Evolves podcast. It's my good buddy, Mike Spears. Hey, Mike. Hey, Andrew. Thank you for having me. I'm a big fan. Yeah, yeah. It's great that you're here, of course. And really, I think for your first episode, it kind of had to have been this one, obviously, because it's about Dragon Gate. And if there's one thing that I know that Iron Mike Spears is an expert on, it's Dragon Gate. Um, that in esports, but that's a, that's a whole other episode entirely, Mike, I think. <laughs> yeah, unless we want to spend 20 minutes on Silver Scrapes by Danny McCarthy... I think Dragon Gate might be the right lane for us. <laughs> well, 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 here's the thing. You know, I, I've been trying to, I guess, kick myself into doing another Dragon Gate episode for quite a while now. Um, or should I say, trying to Bakatare sliding kick myself? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Um, th- there are a few more puns on the way, folks. Just keep that in mind. But um, yeah, the, the last proper... Dragon Gate episode. It was the Jimmy's episode, actually. Episode 19, way back in October of 2017. So yeah, in the words of one Eddie Money, we've waited so long, we've waited so long, but uh, now, Mike, you and I, we've got two tickets to Paradise, baby, and that Paradise is Dragon Gate themes. And not Paradise Lock. Oh, no, no. Different company. Different company. (laughs) Different company. Former Dragon Gate guy. That's true. That's true, yeah. yeah. I'm going to try not to really go over with my Dragon Gate-related puns and references, but I'm just going to try to keep up with you, Andrew. (laughs) I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, A a little master and student dynamic, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah, but um, before we get to any of that stuff, uh, Mike, I was wondering... And I'm sure you've told this story a million times before, of course. But for anyone who doesn't know, uh, how did you get into wrestling and how did you get into Dragon Gate specifically? So wrestling as a fan, a long time ago, I actually went and looked on Cage Match to find the first show that I remember watching of wrestling. And it was the WWF Monday Night Raw that was directly after the breakdown pay-per-view. And I think that was 1998. And wrestling really wasn't like a thing for my family and in my childhood up until about 99 or 98, 99. So right in the Attitude Era, both me and my younger brother, Drew, both got really into wrestling. Our poor parents were kind of bewildered, but they were, but they're supportive of it. I mean, they've kind of kept up to it whenever I tell them, oh yeah, I'm going to be in New York City for the first time over WrestleMania weekend. And they're like, this is the first time you're going to, to New York City, Michael? Really? I'm like, yeah, that's okay. So 
ever since then, I've been a huge wrestling fan. And then naturally, wrestling, like, pe- I, I feel like people's wrestling fandom kind of evolves and ebbs and flows throughout their life. And that kind of, at a time that I was really kind of down on wrestling was when I was in college. And that was 2006. And that is a very central date in at least Dragon Gate history because that was the the year that Dragon Gate came over for the WrestleMania. So one of my good friends at the time who was still really big into wrestling was like, you need to watch this DVD. And I saw the Dragon Gate Six Man. And ever since then, so that would be almost 13 years, I've kind of just followed Dragon Gate exclusively. And other promotions may have come into my purview, but really my true wrestling love was Dragon Gate. And it's been that way ever since. Yeah, I guess you and I, we have similar origins, it seems, when it comes to Dragon Gate, because it was that very same six-man tag match, uh, Shima, Naruki Doi, and Masato Yoshino versus Dragon Kid, Genki Horiguchi, and Ryo Saito. It was that match that introduced me to Dragon Gate as well. And ever since then, I've kind of you know dipped in and out of the company uh, over the years, but I will always remember that match and watching it for the first time and just, you know, being blown away by what those guys pulled off, Mike. It was just incredible. Oh, absolutely. In a lot of ways, I might be out on an island with this, but I feel like that that was a key night, at least in the evolution of wrestling as an art form, because as you just said, a lot of people saw that match and their their brains were just blown away by the things that do fixer and blood generation did in that match and i feel like that even a lot of wrestlers go back and can point out that match as oh wow this is a this was a time that my whole entire attitude and mindset towards wrestling completely changed well mike uh this is episode 55 and uh as it should be painfully obvious by now i suppose uh this episode is going to be about dragon gate themes uh, specifically singles themes for the most part and it's an episode that i'm calling the masters of dragon gate because the list of wrestlers that we're going to be talking about here today mike is just it's a murderer's row of dragon gate all-stars just you know so many big names from dragon gate history and toriyaman history as well and i think both the hardcore fans and the casual fans will know who these guys are for sure. Um, now, unfortunately, some of the more obvious names are not here because their themes were discussed on previous episodes. So, Genki Horiguchi, Susumu Yokosuka, Ryo Saito, BB Hulk, KZ, my main man, Kness, uh, <laughs> their themes will not be on this episode today. But, Mike, I think you would still agree that even without those heavy hitters, this is still just like an Avengers level team of guys right here. Oh, absolutely. I'm looking down our list that we're going to go through, and there's only two people on this list that have not held the dream, opened the Dreamgate title. The everyone, everyone else on this list has held it, if not once, multiple times. And at least I feel like for our audience here, this is probably some of the more recognizable names, at least to Western fans. And then a couple of guys that I, they may have taken a step back and they're no longer around as much, but still are integral when you like are discussing the fabric of Dragon System. It runs through these guys. So I'm really stoked to talk about it. And 
speaking about your main man Kness, I was so I'm so happy that he's now back in the ring and he was recently on a big weekend of shows with one of the guys that we will be talking about. So I'm a big Kness fan here. So I'm glad to know that more people like the Brain Project as I do. <laughs> well, well, going back to what you said, Mike, a second ago there. Um, you're right. Three of the guys on today's list here are not actually in Dragon Gate anymore. Uh, they're in other companies and other parts of the world. But I think what's important to remember here is that you know every guy on this list, whether they still work in Dragon Gate or not, they made their names in that company, and they have played just a huge role in Dragon Gate's history. That's why I'm calling it Masters of Dragon Gate, of course, because. You know, it's not just about guys who are there now. All that matters really is whether or not you think of this wrestler when you think of Dragon Gate. And I'm confident in saying, Mike, that for every wrestler on this list here, the answer is just undeniably yes. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, we talk about the three that have gone elsewhere. They are probably three of the most recognizable people to a Western audience. I feel like when you like are talking about, oh, when you think about Dragon Gate, Torimon, Dragon System, and ooh, some, of these, some of these things that we're going to talk about, I am so excited to get into it with you, Andrew, because there's a little things about it that I just love about each of these wrestlers and their themes. All right, well, let's get to these themes here. A little disclaimer before we start. Uh, every one of these themes is available on the same album, Open the Music Gate 2014. So if you want to find them, that's where you go. Um, that or YouTube, either way. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's start off here with theme number one. And I decided to start us off here not with a particular wrestler's theme per se, but rather the theme song for Dragon Gate itself. Uh, this is the theme song for the promotion that plays at the start of every show. And whenever a rookie starts out in Dragon Gate, they have this song as their first theme song before they get a you know a proper character and a proper theme. This is by The Jam Project, and it's called Dragonstorm 2007. So the reason I wanted to start us off with Dragonstorm 07 is because, you know, whenever I think of quote-unquote Dragon Gate music, this is what comes to mind. 
it's so emblematic of the kind of music and the kind of traits that so many DG themes have. You know, the high energy, high impact style that kicks in right at the jump with the, the drum roll and the dun 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 The soaring anthemic vocals that are just dripping with emotion. Dragonstorm! Uh, the, the blending of music styles, you know, with the techno and the rock. The fact that it's a full song, even, and not just 30 seconds of music looped over and over again. Now, now obviously, not every Dragon Gate song sounds like this one, of course, but they do feature so many of those elements in their own way, and, and that connective tissue is what makes Dragon Gate's music such a strong part of the promotion, Mike. Oh, absolutely. If anything, I feel like Dragonstorm, especially Dragonstorm 2007, is a jumping off point for Dragon Gate themes, Dragon Gate shows, and just the whole package. I mean, it's one of the few themes that whenever you watch a Dragon Gate show, you will listen to the entire song, and it's a big to-do about the beginning of the shows because the first song that they'll usually play, at least in Corkin, is Lay Your Hands On Me by Boom Boom Satellites, and it goes like right into it, and all the lights change, and the crowd starts clapping, and... If you're watching one of the shows that has larger production, they make a big deal about like showing like everyone communally kind of clapping along and getting into it. And it's and as you're talking about like the tempo changes and then the different styles of music, I feel like that a lot of the themes that we're gonna be talking about tonight have some different meshing and melding of different genres of music into it. So it's kind of fitting that to kick off each show they start off this way. Yeah, yeah, and really, I think the song is not just a great representation of the music of Dragon Gate, but it's a great representation of the company itself. You know, the bombast, the the cinematic-slash-anime overtones, the blending of styles. That is Dragon Gate to a T. It's a very colorful, expressive place. It blends the styles of Lucha and Puro wrestling. All the action is so fast and furious. The, the color schemes are so dynamic. You've got the outfits. You, you've got the drama, the units, the dancing. It all just jumps off the page with such zest and such a life. And if you want to, you know, represent all of that in a company theme song, then Dragonstorm 07 is just perfect. Oh, right on. And you mentioned anime a little bit. This is the remake of the original Dragonstorm theme, which, interestingly enough, and I don't know if you know this, the first version of Dragonstorm was actually used as their intro to their Infinity TV program, and they actually had someone draw and anim- do a full animation of the roster and anime style and the super chibi style for it. So when you when you said brought up anime, immediately I had like flashbacks of always like going on YouTube and watching this video of of all the all the wrestlers in 2005. So we're talking about. The blood generation, we're talking about M2K, we're talking about Italian connection, and all of them just like very much in this stylized form. And yeah, like it's it's very uh, representative, but like as you said, about how this became, at least to Western audiences, the first really big pro resu, uh, pro resu, lucha resu promotion. And it's just, I, I don't know, it's one of those things that the more I think about it, the more I talk about it, a lot of the things that like represent Dragon Gate to me are represented with this song. It represents like starting the shows and the lights that constantly are changing colors in the arena and the colors and of course the dancing. And I'm glad we have dancing back again in Dragon Gate. I, every time I get a chance, 
I, I have to shout out the Natural Vibes Dance and Party Anthem because it's one of my favorite things that they've done in a while. But back to Dragonstorm. This is my favorite version of Dragonstorm. Have you heard the uh, 2019 Ziggy version? Uh, no, no. It's different. It's Ziggy is a older hard rock band in Japan. Like I don't. I think they're somewhat well known. I'm not a master of Japanese music. Sadly, we needed to get John Carroll on here to confirm or deny what I just said. So <laughs> if I'm wrong, it's not my fault. But it, it's interesting because they started adding a whole bunch of rock organs to it. And it's not nearly as techno, and they've kind of changed out some of the lyrics. And I don't know. So the fact that we're talking about the Jam Project version makes me very happy, because I have much fonder memories of this one than I do about the 2019 iteration. Okay, okay. Um, I did want to mention the lyrics here, which Mm -hmm. I think go along with that hyper-emotional style. Uh, Fair warning, uh, this is Google Translate, so it's nowhere near perfect by any stretch, but... (laughs) The opening lines are, it owns its doors, beating with intention, to open its doors at their own intention, throbbing uncontrollably, beating of the chest, burn a strong, fighting spirit that was hidden in the mind, like a gemstone of sparkling diamonds as we release the light someday. Again, nowhere near perfect, but you get the gist of it. You know, burning hearts, sparkling like diamonds, we release the light someday. It all sounds so stirring and so deep and and cinematic. And again, those are the intrinsic qualities of Dragon Gate, Mike. Oh, absolutely. Especially like the burning emotion, the strong fighting spirit. And I know that we're working off a Google translation here, but whenever I hear like burning hearts, I think of stables like Dia Hearts. When I think about diamonds, then I'm thinking about the new wrestler, Dragon Dia. So it's kind of cool how... I don't know if it's intentional or it's just us translating this, that it seems like almost everything is interwoven together inside Dragon Gate. And I feel like that this is actually one of the few times I've actually seen the lyrics and it makes perfect sense. You know, just talking about it and reading about it, it just really sums up the emotion, I feel like, of the promotion. So, yeah, I love the song. I'll be saying that a lot tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, uh, a recurring trend, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on now to our second theme here, and the first proper singles theme for a wrestler. And uh, this guy, Mike, he's a bit of a big deal when it comes (laughs) to Dragon Gate. Uh, Perhaps, maybe, I don't know. He's a fella by the name of Shima. Shima, yes, he is Mr. Dragon Gate. He was the face of the company and the biggest star there since it began in 04. He was the inaugural Open the Dreamgate champion, longest Dreamgate champion in history, by the way. He's won all the belts, too. And nowadays, Shima is one of those guys who I mentioned earlier had decided to take his star power and his legend status elsewhere. Uh, He's now in OWE in China and various other promotions with his strong hearts stable. But no matter what, he'll always be Mr. Dragongate. His Dragon Gate theme is by a band called Joe, and I think Shima must be a soda aficionado, Mike, <laughs> because his theme song is called Megusta Cola. I like Cola! Yeah. <laughs> 
You know, you, you just have to laugh, Mike, because we just spent all that time waxing poetic about Dragonstorm and oh, how it's so uplifting and so deep and so emotional. And now here comes Shima's theme. And what is Shima's theme all about? Well, that's real simple. I like Koda! <laughs> and, and then you have the crazy bass line going in right after that. Now, to be clear here, to be clear, I, too, like cola. You know, give me a root beer, I'm a happy boy. But it's not what we would call a real thinker of a theme song. Having said that, though, this is Shima we're talking about here. And Shima is a legend. He's one of the original Ultimo Dragon trainees. He helped build Dragon Gate and steer that ship for almost 15 years. And the amount of wrestlers that he's influenced is just staggering. So... You know, if he wants to come out to a song about Cola, then who the fuck are we to say no, Mike? Oh, I would never... If Shima says, I want to come out to anything, I'm not going to doubt his his judgment there. <laughs> and yeah, this is interesting to me because he never really changed his theme over the years. Like some of these wrestlers, when they change gimmicks, they've changed characters, or when they've changed from Torimon to Dragon System... They either re-recorded their theme or they completely changed it. And he's always had a version of Megusakola. And it's just one of those songs that it's so preposterous in a way. <laughs> that, But it's so emblematic of the unquestioned ace of the Dragon System. And it's something that it has a really great tempo. And I feel like the tempo kind of embodies him in a, as well. And, and this might just be me grasping at straws here. But it's just... He rushes out to this, and it's very frantic, and it very it's very similar to kind of his personality in a lot of ways, that he would have a song with such ridiculous rigor- lyrics, but at the same time would have such... I, I don't even know how to describe the song. It's, it's such a unique song. Yeah, you're reading my mind, because to me, the style and the attitude of this song is a great fit for Shima, regardless of what it's about, because it's a wild, garage rock, punk rock song. It's in your face. It's frenetic. It's overwhelming from the get-go. The song starts with a man screaming in our ears, I like cola! This is not a meek song by any stretch, you know? And neither is Shima. Neither is Shima. Shima is this song in human form. He's loud, <laughs> he's boisterous, he's bursting at the seams with charisma and bravado and ego. He wrestles with such a wild energy to him, and he's got such a, a badass moveset as well. The Schwine, the Meteora, the Crossfire, the Mad Splash. Shima is an overwhelming figure, as is Magusta Cola. So, it doesn't matter, really, if it's a weird little song, which it is, but the two are a perfect match, Mike. 
Oh, absolutely. And something that you brought up here was about like the, the punk garage theme. And that was something, especially in the Torimon days, that was a big promoting point of this promotion because it was so different from other companies that tried to do a little bit of Lucha Libre there, especially like Gran Hamada's UWF, that this one was really kind of put out as like this charismatic punk rock. Like, I don't know how much of early Torimon you might have seen, Andrew, but like they would have shows and bars and clubs. And one of the places was called Kobik Chicken George. And it was basically <laughs> this very small arena where before Beyond and the Northeast promotions really made a thing about standing like right next to the ring, people were literally standing like right outside the ring because there was no other space in these venues. So I feel like that this is such a great show of like what Dragon System was and how it could kind of continued all the way through because you have someone like Shima who has one of, if not the most preposterously long named movesets out of anyone in wrestling. Like, I, I know it's no longer on Wikipedia and I shake my fist at them, but I would, if I was bored, I would go through and see which ones I already knew the, the names of when you would go down there. And it's, it's just perfect for him in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, I also thought of that early Toriyaman thing, but I thought in a, in a different way because this song, it reminds me so much of the old Crazy Max theme, Mad Dog, you know, shoo! Oh yeah. Crazy Max. It's that same garage rock, punk rock vibe, a similar frantic tempo, similar instrumentation. Both of them are so wild and in your face from the get-go. And the connection there being, of course, that Shima was in Crazy Max. He was a founding member of the group. And it makes sense then that he would want to keep the spirit of Crazy Max alive with his own singles theme after the group disbanded. And I think it's just really awesome, Mike, how, yes, you can look at Megusta Cola as being a good fit for Shima on its own, but there's also that historical connection as well with Crazy Max and their theme that adds this neat little extra layer there. Oh, absolutely. As I'm in my office and I'm looking up at a signed Shima Crazy Max t-shirt on my wall, I'm completely with you here. It's very similar to Mad Dog in a lot of ways, and it's a good kind of common thread that I feel like Dragon Gate likes doing, that they like having threads from points in history, and they like being able to link someone through it. And there was no one who embodied just like the personality the ethos, and the ring presence inside a Crazy Max like Shima. So I think you're dead on in, in comparison Migusa Cola to Mad Dog because that's a great comparison. Yeah, yeah. And I'd say, too, that Shima is doing a pretty good job of carrying on the Crazy Max legacy with Stronghearts. You know, that whole you know wild boys attitude is what strong hearts is all about cuz they're invading promotions and winning belts and just being such major assholes about it <laughs> and I, I can't help but think that the strong hearts theme war dance even though it is its own thing and it is a far cry musically from the crazy max theme because it is a hip hop song if you listen to it the energy and the attitude they're pretty close mike Oh, absolutely, dude. I, I, I think it, in a lot of ways, it is kind of a combination 
of the Shima personality, Crazy Max personality on one hand, and then it's combining in the OWE side, especially with how it it's done by Chinese artists. It has like a lot of very, I don't want to say traditional, but very, but themes and traits, and you would hear it in popular Chinese music in there. So it's kind of like a melding in a lot of ways, and it's something that I you really can't take away from Shima that no matter where he goes, no matter who he is, he will always be Shima. And it's one of those things that it was really tough when he left Dragon Gate, but seeing what he's doing in Strong Hearts and OWE, and the fact that he is about to come back to U.S. Shores with All Elite Wrestling gets me really excited just to see what all could happen. Because things are never boring when Shima's around. Oh, no, definitely not. No, (laughs) definitely not. Up next is theme number three, and this one is for Dragon Kid, who, as of this recording, is the current Open the Brave Gate champion. Uh, Dragon Kid is, like Shima, a first-class trainee of Ultimo Dragon. He's a tremendous high flyer, has tons of cool moves, and he's a hell of a breakdancer to boot. His theme is by Hironobu Kagayama. It's called... Jamais vu. So you can't help but notice with this one that it bears a lot of similarities to Dragonstorm 07. Mm -hmm. It's the same genre of music, that techno-rock hybrid kind of thing, has the same emphatic, high-ranging vocals, Dragon Kid, fly into the sky, the same pulsating energy, and the lyrics are equally poetic in a sense. Uh, Again, the magic of Google Translate here. Um, Deja vu. It is an illusion, born falling consciousness from now on. Even if no one knows that the same world is the same world, if the same scenery does not show, now it changes. Now, I have no idea what the fuck that means, but <laughs> neither do <laughs> my I. My point still stands, alright? Because the two songs are very similar, but I don't think that's a bad thing, Mike, because it's a pretty fun song. Oh yeah, and it's worth noting that I was, before we went on air, I was trying to remember and jog my memory talking to you about Dragon Kid 
as a musician, because he is one, he did write the lyrics of the song, apparently. So it is very much in his style of having deja vu. Of course, that's a famous move of his. And then he, he had Jamey's vu on his tights for the longest time as well. But going back to your point about how there is like a big sim similarity between this and Dragon Storm, I feel like that for the Dragon System themes that have not changed that much, there is a very strong kind of um, commonality, I guess for lack of a better word, to them that you have like a very pulsating beat like this, like Dragon Storm. And it does have some lyrics that I don't know what Dragon Kid was thinking of when he was writing this. <laughs> so who knows? But it's it's very much like, especially the chorus where he goes, I can fly oh higher and higher. That is very emblematic to me of Dragon Kid. And just like this this whole entire entrance like where he's coming in and he break dances to this song. And he, he's actually pretty good for as a break dancer for someone in his 40s with the knee problems that he's had, which is kind of wonderful. But yeah, no, this is one of those themes that wasn't my favorite theme when I, when the more I heard it, but or like as I first started hearing it, pardon me. But the more I heard it, the more I, I've gotten into it, and it definitely has a certain like imagery that I think appeals to Dragon Kid. Right, right, and I think the closeness between this song and Dragon Storm, it could just be mere happenstance, but I think there could also be a deeper connection as well because. Dragon Kid is so deeply ingrained in the fabric of Dragon Gate. The very notion of him being Dragon Kid is because he was supposed to be the protege of Ultimo Dragon. So when it comes to the Dragon system as a whole, he is Colombian grade cocaine. You know, he is <laughs> as pure as you can get. So, of course, Dragon Kid having this techno rock song works on the level of his wrestling style and his look. But maybe it needs a little bit more than that, Mike. Oh, yeah. And just like the the, th the thread of him and Ultimo Dragon, he was originally going to be called Little Dragon. So it was even going to be even more of a uh, heir to him. And, and especially in a way of them training and them, and them training in Mexico. Like the idea that there are mini wrestlers and they're mascot wrestlers. And for a guy of his size, that was what his his chances would have been if he stayed in Mexico. I mean, before he started wrestling, he was told by FMW people, like, he could not wrestle. So this is a guy that he showed a lot of determination in a, in a very similar way to Ultimo Dragon. And I think it's a great comparison between the two because those two are really are linked in a lot of different ways. Absolutely, yeah. And, and speaking of connections, too, how about this? I, I once again bring up my main man, Kness, and his theme burst out. Burst Out is like the Black Lodge doppelganger of Jamais Vu, you know? Because it's the same kind of song. It's this crazy techno song, but it's so much darker and so much more intense and barbaric and wild than Jamais Vu is. You know, it, it, it feeds off the Garbanbosia of the world because it is the heel version of Jamais Vu. And Kness, before he was Kness, he was darkness dragon he was the heel version of dragon kid and even today now that he is known as kness he still looks like a more sinister version of dragon kid so again maybe a coincidence likely so but maybe not mike oh i definitely think that kness came from the lodge and <laughs> he is 
and he's still in the middle of his 25 years, and maybe because now Dragon Kids, Air, Dragon Die is out there, maybe we now have a Dougie Jones out there <laughs> as well. So something to watch out there. But yeah, absolutely, that he is this mirror image, and even comparing, comparing the themes, it is... Uh, it's very stark. It, they're very much parallel people in a lot of ways. And when you talk about Darkness Dragon and Dragon Kid, you're talking about, still to this day, my favorite feud of Dragon System history. When I first really got went to go back into the archives of Toriumon, the person who was like, helped me out, was like, oh yeah, no, you need to watch the Mask versus Mask match. And there's few matches that have as much emotion and physicality and a lot of dragon system kind of tropes in it as that match but yeah no it's one of those things that as long as these two wrestlers are wrestling they will forever mirror each other i mean they just had a brave gate match last weekend this or two weekends ago rather on the second so i mean it's one of those things that these two guys are always going to be together and i think it's a great link between the two sames yeah, yeah. Um, now, as far as the title of the song is concerned, Jamais Vu, for those that don't know, Jamais Vu is the opposite of Deja Vu. It means never seen. And I think that's so appropriate because, like, if you're watching Dragon Kid for the first time, especially, like, prime early to mid-2000s Dragon Kid, chances are you'll see something that you've never seen before that is just so spectacular. Um, the obvious example, of course, being the Dragon Rana, which when I first saw him hit that move, I mean, I thought it was the greatest thing ever because I had never seen it before. It was mind-blowing. Same with, you know, the Deja Vu Head Scissors or the Jesus Walks Moonsault. It's like, how is this guy doing these crazy moves? Is he an alien? Like, <laughs> where did he come from? And, of course, nowadays having seen these moves a lot more often, the shine has worn off somewhat, but regardless, I think Jamais Vu is super appropriate for a Dragon Kid and his theme song, Mike. Oh yeah, because he did things that at the time were never seen. I mean, he was doing the Dragon Rana in 2000. He invented so, it. Yeah, he invented the Dragon Rana. He, uh, he took like moves like the Cristo, which was, of course, his version of the Octopus Stretch, that he made in the abdominal stretch, octopus stretch. And he made it his own by doing head scissors into it. He the Jesus walk is a move that he doesn't do that often, but whenever he does, you're like, wow, he was one of the first real people to be able to have that level of balance. And I think that even after he retires, I mean, who knows how long he's going to wrestle. I mean, hopefully he has many healthy years ahead of him. But he goes down as not only an innovator, but probably one of the most like physically balanced wrestlers of all time because i just imagine like how difficult it must be in terms of body control to be able to ro walk out on the ropes and then do a moonsault or climb up on the top rope do a full flip and lay on someone's shoulders and then have the, the body control to be able to change your momentum so harshly and it's just incredible like he's someone that just like the more that you watch him the more like you, you know it's like okay there's little things that are different but then he does something like last year, pull out the Dragon Rana against Bandito. And you're just like, what is this guy? This guy is in his mid-40s. He shouldn't be able to do this. And it's not necessarily like the crazy flashy moves. Like he doesn't do double rotations. He doesn't do that. It's just his body control is a thing. And it's something that's never been seen before. So Jamais Vu is perfect. Yeah, I love Rey Mysterio and the West Coast pop. But 
I've never seen him hit that move with the same amount of speed and snap that Dragon Kid has with the Ultra Hurricane Rana. It's just, it's insane, Mike. It, it's, it's it's insane. Well, and the fact that he's doing it at this age, I know I've said that a couple times, is mind-blowing to me. And it makes sense he kind of does breakdancing, right, Andrew? Yeah. I mean, like, in terms of body control, it would make sense that someone who would have such great body control would be someone who can be, be a b-boy if he wanted to. Let's move on now to the speed star, Masato Yoshino, who, true to his name, is one of the fastest wrestlers alive and one half of the tag team Speed Muscle with Naruki Doi. He's also been a sexy Tarzan boy and a fake Italian, but <laughs> hey, Mike, at this point, who hasn't, right? Come on. I, I mean, who wouldn't want to be from jungle and <laughs> be the fastest wrestler on the planet? I mean, you go through phases in life. He pulled out the wig a couple last month, and it was one of the things that I was like, oh, wow, Masato, dude, we all did things in our 20s. We all did things. This is not a phase, Dad. It's who I am, all right? Come on. (laughs) (laughs) He's he's not acting out for attention. This is just who he is. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. His theme song is by Sutomu Toya, featuring Yoko Kubata. It's called, appropriately, Speed Star. As this podcast has discussed in the past, one of the most iconic elements of Dragon Gate music is, of course, the stinger. Oh, absolutely. Um, not Steve Borden. <laughs> not him. That's a different stinger. Uh, no. Um, it's the vocal or the sound effect at the start of a theme song that sets up the theme and represents the wrestler in some way. Like, the Stone Cold Glass Shatter is a prime example of that. The Undertaker Bell. The rocks, if you smell, etc., etc. Dragon Gate themes are rife with stingers. And if I had to choose which one was my favorite, it would either be Rita Repulsa saying, Mad Blanky, <laughs> or it would be this one, because I just love this stinger. You know, Yoko Kubota, God bless her, she is a fiery, soulful lady with a hell of a voice. And when she belts out, Speed Star, he's lightning in the jungle, with the echo effect, and right into the guitar riffs, and uh, mwah! That's a spicy meatball right there, Mike. It's just fantastic. And you know, uh, you said it's one of your favorite. It's one of my favorite as well. And this is 
with the exception of one thing that we'll get into soon. It's probably my favorite Dragon System theme of all time. I made a tweet earlier this week, or last week, talking about how I just get distracted by this theme, and especially by the Stinger. And I, if I was trying to put like my number two Stinger, now that you've brought it up, I think it was the old Stinger they used to do for uh, Team Veteran that each of them would have it before their themes. And I think that's something that great that Dragon System did a lot, and Dragon Gate did, where they would try to have their own unit-specific stingers that would go on several people. But Masato Yoshino always stuck to the Speed Star call, and it's one of my favorite, it's my favorite Dragon System theme. And each time I hear it, it's very hard for me not to start like air punching as it's going on. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's just, an, it's exhilarating, and it fits them so well. Yeah, and the stinger is perfect too in that it sums up Masato Yoshino and his whole deal because the first words you hear are Speed Star, which is his nickname, so right away it tells you he is fast. Lightning in the Jungle is a reference to the Tarzan gimmick that he had, plus it reinforces him being fast because lightning is often used to describe someone who is fast. He is fast as lightning. And even the way that Yoko Kubata sings it, she gives it such gusto and such operatic oomph Mm -hmm. that it's like she's announcing the arrival of a superhero. And Yoshino is like Dragon Gate's version of The Flash. So it all comes together, Mike. Oh, absolutely. And it's such a guttural scream in a lot of ways and operatic. The, The thing that I think you will appreciate, Andrew, is not only is the singer perfectly embody him as a character... But it also has three different moves of his that are mentioned therein. You have the Speed Star Flashman, you have Lightning referencing Lightning Spiral, and then you have From Jungle. So, three of his moves. I love that so much. Yeah, and with the actual song itself, it's not this, you know, super complicated song, because it's just, you know, he's the Speed Star, and his theme song is a series of kick-ass, rapid-fire guitar solos. Makes total sense. And the music is great, and it gets you pumped up, and it matches the excitement and the energy that Yoshino brings to the ring with him. But uh, yeah, that's kind of all there is to it, Mike. Well, you know, one thing that I had in my back mind I wanted to talk to you about when we were were like, hey, I want to talk about Masato Yoshino and Speedstar. You know what the song sounds so much like to me? What? It sounds like Big Blue from F-Zero. I never played F-Zero, actually. Oh, did you ever play any of the Smash Brothers games? I have, yes, I have. Well, yes. the, the music that's often playing when on a Captain Falcon stage. Oh, yeah, okay. Yes, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's very similar to that, and it, it's very fitting in a lot, of other, a lot of ways in that regard, too. So that's the thing that this song really reminds me of. Yeah, yeah, and uh, there's also a vocal version of the song as well, which was put out on the Monster Express album, and it's the same song, same song, except instead of it being mostly instrumental, Yoko sings verses in it.
I'll admit, I know the instrumental version is the more iconic version of the two, but, you know, I still like the vocal version a lot, because I think having those extra vocals in there, they add another layer of emotional depth to the song, and they make it a little bit more epic and inspirational in tone than it already is. Mm-hmm. And, and the way that she is able to, at the end of each line, going to the chorus, is able to go back to somewhat of her booming voice when when it reaches that point, I think also kind of ties the song around along together in a nice pretty bow. And I think that's a great thing about it. And this is probably the one of the songs that whenever there's a big match version of it, it's the biggest dichotomy to me, at least in my opinion, because it has such a slow piano intro going into it. And it's just so it's so different from the actual theme itself. So like you hear a very slow version of the chorus on a piano and then it goes right into it. And it, it's interesting that he has three different versions of the song that have three kind of completely different feelings I get from it. So the fifth Dragon Gate theme on a list here, Mike, belongs to not only the oldest wrestler on the list, but he might be the best wrestler on the list, which... Considering he is 49 years old, he debuted in 94, and the fact that this entire list of themes here is just loaded with incredible wrestlers, that is pretty nuts. This is the Iron Man of Dragon Gate, Masaaki Mochizuki, and his theme song is sung by a guy named Masaaki Mochizuki. So he sings his own theme, the goddamn icon. (laughs) This is called... Kizu darake no Eiko. So there's like a real old school vibe to this because it sounds like something out of the 80s. And I say that because it is from the 80s. <laughs> this was originally a song that was performed by a guy named Takeshi Obo for this 80s boxing anime series called Ashita no Joe. And it was about this guy named Joe who was a boxer. And it was about him growing up as a fighter and climbing the ranks and the struggles that come with that stuff. And it's a classic story, it's a classic sound, and it's perfect for Mochizuki because he is a classic wrestler. Mm-hmm. He's tough, he's honorable, he commands respect, and he has devoted his life to being the best in the sport that he loves. So yeah, him having this boxing anime theme song as his own theme fits really well, Mike. 
Oh, absolutely. And we talk about him being, he will be 50 next January, and he had his 25th anniversary this January as well. They coincided together. It, it It's so fitting that someone that, in a lot of ways, with Japan entering a new era in April with their new emperor, he kind of, in a lot of ways, feels like this old-time wrestler, a wrestler maybe of, not necessarily of the Showa era, but he feels like of a different era. And the fact that he sings an anime that I don't think it's on that's been in the States at any sort or streaming in any way, so I feel okay saying this. The fi- Do you know what the uh, finale of the anime is about? I think so, yeah. I did a little reading on it before. Doesn't it end with Joe winning this big fight and then he dies right afterwards? Yes, he dies of... He he gets brain damage and dies. This is a guy who, in in the show, that he, he originally is not a very good boxer. He can just take a lot of punches and he eventually dies in the ring. And I'm not... Masaki Mochizuki is one of my top five wrestlers of all time. And I don't want to wish him like anything bad to happen to him in the ring but he is the kind of guy that is going to go out on his shield you know so it's all very fitting and especially the fact that it's probably the most crowd has the most crowd response and the most crowd participation of everyone's thing that just it all kind of just molds together in like this package that i can't imagine anyone else wanting to come out to a theme like this or anyone to get such a response to come out to a theme like this well here's what tickles my fancy about this song it's the fact that it's a ballad Mm -hmm. yes it has the rocking music and all that stuff but the way that mochizuki sings it his wistful tone of voice there's such like a a melancholic beauty here it's still inspirational and stirring but this is not your typical enthusiastic rah-rah kind of song like dragon storm is there's a tinge of sorrow here that we don't get with other Dragon Gate themes. So it's rather unique, Mike, I think. Yes, and it's, it as one of the big phrases of Voices of Wrestling, it's a very romantic theme in my mind. And it, it kind of instills the fact that he is a romantic fighter. Like he's someone that he is about his matches. He's without the doubt, without a doubt, the greatest singles wrestler in Dragon System history. I mean... He had my match of the year last year at age 48, and it's just, it fits him. And I feel like I've said that a lot already, but it's a very kind of soulful song. And as someone who is considered, in a lot of ways, the soul of Dragon Gate, it's very fitting to me. Yeah, and the lyrics back that up too, because here are some lyrics translated. Look up, and just like the stars above, an infinite number of lights scatter across the sky. Above the elevated ring, sweat that glistens in prismatic colors will fly again today. Not bright, tonight, my life. Only in this short moment, like a firework that's about to be lit. We burn like a crimson fire. Don't understand, tonight, the way I am now. The scent of loneliness suits me best. For waves that crash and break, Kindness has no meaning. That is some heavy-duty shit right there. (laughs) And and the fact that it is Mochizuki singing it himself, it just adds to that introspective, melancholic tone, Mike, you know? Oh, absolutely. And it's 
very fitting for someone that we talked about Shima in his youth being a member of Crazy Max. This is a guy who was in the uh, unit that overtook Crazy Max as the biggest heel unit in Torimon. He was the leader of M2K, and they were the most cheatingest, vile, evil people that they decided to take the El Numero Uno, which was the big singles tournament back then, and make it, and they declared, all of our matches are going to end at double t- countouts. And they did it, and it made everyone so furious. So him having this level of introspection, especially a, a man of his age and with his experience, is very fitting. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mentioned earlier, too, how Shima's theme and the Crazy Max theme are so much alike. To me, this song reminds me so much of Kaze Ninare. Oh, yeah. Both of them are rock ballads. They're both about fighting. They're both inspiring, but also introspective. The references to loneliness as well. And they both elicit crowd participation during the entrances. Because, of course, with Suzuki, the crowd sings, Kaze Ninare, when he steps through the ropes. And with this song... When the verses start and it goes, the crowd goes, Mo Chi. So the two songs are pretty close, Mike. Oh, absolutely. And it's my favorite theme in Dragon System, if not for the fact that he's singing it. And he's actually, I won't say he's a great singer, but he's a, I'd say he's solid. Would you say he's he's decent? He's not bad. He's not. He's not. I've heard worse for sure. Yeah, I, I've heard worse singing from wrestlers. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but the fact that you have like this crowd participation to it, and the, in a lot of ways, they're not exact. Uh, I wouldn't say they're like very similar wrestlers, but there's a lot of similarities between Minoru Suzuki and Masaki Mochizuki, like. You've talked about the theme comparison, the fact there's crowd participation, about being a lonely warrior, being very introspective, and their fighting backgrounds as well, because Masaki Mochizuki was basically thrown into the ring by Koji Katao because they needed someone to fight, and he was a karate guy back in 95. He was in battle arts. Yeah, yeah. He, he In a different world, he would have gone down a similar path that Minoru Suzuki went down. I mean, it, they're very... Uh, they're very, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it. That There are similarities, but there's also very distinct differences. But the, these commonalities that kind of link them, I feel like, are so strong that makes the differences kind of melt away in a lot of ways. And the, and the themes are a great example of it. Yeah, yeah. And as well, him and Suzuki, they don't age. <laughs> it's incredible, really. You know, Suzuki is 50 years old and looks in just great shape. Mochizuki especially, he looks spectacular. It's I mean, insane. Not just cosmetic either. He's still a fucking amazing pro wrestler. It's crazy. I, I, I don't know what kind of like ancient blood god he worships, but it's clearly working, Mike. <laughs> well, I don't know about his religious preferences, but I do know that on Twitter, every morning he posts like him in the gym. And he's, I mean, Darren Young, you say he was no days off. Masaki <laughs> Mochizuki hasn't probably had a day off since he was in high school. It's insane, and he is the one. He's the one person that, if I ever hear he is coming within a certain radius, I will go travel to go see because seeing him live once was one of those was one of those experiences that you kind of take a step back and you're like, I just saw something completely different. But I would like to say, the uh, WrestleMania DGUSA crowd I went to, 
did not clap and shout along with me with the theme. Boo. It was me and Alan Forel Boo. were the only ones doing it, it. Of course it was Alan. <laughs> Who else would it be, of course? <laughs> but but it's insane. Um, but I think that Masaki Mochizuki will probably wrestle into his 60s. And if he's this good, this close to 50, he might become like the best wrestler over the age of 60 of all time, either him or Negro Casas. And it's kind of insane to me because he because the clock has not caught up with him. And I'm starting to wonder or I'm, I'm starting to doubt that it ever will. We'll see. Time will tell. Time will tell. Well, look, Mike, we've had some fun. We've had some games, but it's time to get serious here. Because this next man deserves our fullest effort. He's a great man, a man of talent, a man of class, a man of sumo palm strikes and nice German suplexes. That's right, folks. It's time for Don Fuji, the third and final man on this list here, who was one of the original Ultimo Dragon students. His theme is by Shingo Kawanashi. It's called Wild drank husky. Wild Drank Husky, eh? Is this about Don Fuji or Russell Crowe? Hey, take it home hey. with ya. <laughs> um, from the word husky in the title alone, you kind of know what you're getting here. You know, because it's not going to be some light-hearted affair. There's going to be some heft to this one. And there is, because it starts off with that moody industrial synth intro. And then, bam, we get a full-blown... Just furious metal instrumental that has, like, those industrial synth bits that were in, like, every 90s industrial song. So this is definitely the heaviest and the darkest song so far. And it's serious business. And Don Fuji is nothing if not a man of serious business, Mike. Oh, I take Don Fuji more serious than anyone else in my life. I have a photo of him in his model career as my Twitter background, and I'll never change it because I respect a man of this level of seriousness, and he's the one person whose theme I feel like could have been in Quake 2. And it's just it's, it fits him so well, you know? Yeah, to be honest, though, I'm a little perplexed by it because... On the one hand, there's a real don't-mess-with-me attitude to this song, which Don Fuji totally has, because he was in Crazy Max with Shima. He'll break a fool if need be. And the title works so well, too, because 
all three things can apply to Don Fuji. He can get wild, he probably enjoys some beverages, and when it comes to body shape, he is on the huskier side of things, shall we say. So that all works. That all works. But at the same time, you know, Don Fuji doesn't quite scream metalhead to me. (laughs) Maybe a little Dino, some Frankie blue eyes, but not so much metal. So it's kind of a paradox to me, Mike. And you know his personality and the times he has sung and as someone whose voice mysteriously sounds a lot like him called Karaoke Machine has sung, he sings some traditional ballads of another era. He very much is a gentleman singer so comparing him to like dean martin makes a lot of sense but it's it's such a dichotomy of personalities with don fuji and i kind of feel like that this theme reminds people of his harsher side when that's not necessarily the don fuji that is always in the ring i mean he's a guy who loves his goofs and his jokes but he's also someone that when he gets angry he becomes one of the crankiest people i've ever seen in the ring so it as always, Don Fuji is a land of contrasts. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't have much else to say about this one, to be honest. But, you know, I, I think whether or not this song fits Don Fuji well, maybe isn't that important. Because I think what is important here is that we appreciate what Don Fuji and this song bring to the table, which is variety. You know, I, I mentioned the variety when it comes to Dragon Gate earlier, well, that was true for the themes, but it's also true for the wrestlers. And I, I know some people, they may pigeonhole Dragon Gate as this, you know, flippy-do promotion, which there's plenty of that, don't get me wrong. But, you know, Don Fuji is a thick, grumpy bastard who does sumo chops. Cyber Kong is a jacked-up muscle dude. Big R Shimizu and Benkei are a couple of powerhouse grunts. These are some big boys. And you need that kind of variety because if everybody looked the same and everybody wrestled the same, it'd get boring after a while. Same with the music. Same with the music. So yeah, maybe I don't really see Don Fuji as a metal guy, but he still plays a very important role on the roster by providing that much-needed variety to the proceedings just as this song provides that variety as well, Mike. Oh, absolutely. And he is a very different paced wrestler. He is someone that, he is of a sumo background, so him doing like the strikes and him getting down into the stance at times makes a lot of sense. And it, it, whenever you hear this theme on a Dragon Gate show, you, you don't know exactly what's going to come for you. Like, he is, the, he is one of the most unpredictable guys on the roster. You can be getting joke like kind of kidding around comedy wrestler don fuji or you can get a guy who's gonna get really angry and throw water balls at you and just immediately on a tag when he gets out of the ring if you're on the apron he's gonna pull you down and start brawling and it's a and it's all the different kind of styles that make dragon gate what it is you need there would not be a dragon gate without a don fuji and there wouldn't be like a theme and the theme wouldn't make sense if it wasn't like wild drink husky and it, it's, it fits in that way it kind of represents the promotion at large i feel like Definitely, definitely. Well, uh, up next is a wrestler who was a longtime member of Dragon Gate up until a few years ago when he left to join WWE, Akira Tozawa. 
He is currently on 205 Live as part of the Cruiserweight division, but for many years before that, Tozawa was in Dragon Gate. In various stables like Tozawa Juku, Blood Warriors, and Monster Express, Tozawa also spent a number of years in America on excursion in places like PWG and Chikara. His theme song is by a band called Neo Atomic Motor. It's called Be Naked. Tell me, show me one more be naked, baby. how we just talked about variety Mike case in point with this song right here because we just had Don Fuji and his industrial metal music now we're gonna go with some pop punk with Be Naked which still packs a decent punch but it's much more light-hearted in tone and much more melodic as well than the heavier songs like Wild Drank Husky or Magusticola the subject matter is interesting, which we'll get to soon, but, you know, overall, it's a fine little song, I think. So, what are your initial thoughts on Be Naked, Mike? Well, I, I know I've talked about, okay, this wrestler's my favorite, this wrestler's my favorite, this <laughs> wrestler's my favorite a lot, Andrew, but the guy that really hurt me more than Shima and the person we'll talk about soon after this, when he left the promotion, was Akira Tozawa. He was the one that, when I started watching... He was a rookie, and as someone who loves watching prospects in sports, I watch a lot of, of minor league baseball. I still always cheer my Miami Hurricanes when I get a chance, so I like watching the progression of athletes and wrestlers. Akira Tozawa was my guy, and when he came back from excursion at Cork and as a Tulsa Prize and Be Naked played, it was one of those moments where it was kind of like stand-up and, and just bewilderment because one of the loudest shocks that a corking crowd had and it's interesting because he's someone who's played a very kind of jokey guy on the microphone and character wise i mean he was the reason why monster express was monster express and it was all about friendship so him having a very lighthearted theme kind of fits with that but this is totally like a pop punk thing you would hear on tony hawk pro skater 2 right yeah, this has a real, like, Sum 41 kind of vibe to me, definitely, yeah. And the subject matter is pretty straightforward, because it's all about a guy who just wants sex. Mm-hmm. Tell me, show me, one more be naked, baby. Nothing but only way. Give me, do me, one more be naked, baby. Three, two, one, step by step. It's not perfect English, mind you, but the language of love is a universal one, if you know what I'm saying. But, yeah, yeah. at first I thought, 
it was a bit strange for Tozawa to have a song like this that is so blatantly about sex, especially given that his gimmick wasn't sexual chocolate Akira Tozawa, you know? But then I thought about it a little bit, and it's been known that Dragon Gate has a very avid female fan base, mm-hmm. as well as a very avid gay fan base. And Akira Tozawa is a good-looking dude with a nice smile and great abs. So I'm just saying, Mike, you know, the longer you think about it, the more it kind of makes sense then that he would have this sexy, romantic pop-punk song. Oh, absolutely. He he was a huge star in the fan base. I mean, you're dead on about how this was in a lot of ways seen as an idol promotion when it was founded. I mean, if you ever get a chance to see old programs or old DVD covers, Andrew, of Torimon era, even going into 2005, 2004, it, it, it's, it's kind of gone away a little bit. But this was a promotion that would always target teenage girls and it had its appeal to the LGBT community as well. So him having a song like this that is for lack of better terms, a guy who really wants to bone down, it kind of is, it, it makes him, I guess, I don't know, he make I don't want to say approachable, but he's someone that's out there, and he's like like that, and he's someone that has, was always considered one of the most charismatic people on the roster, and, he, and it was such a blow when he left because there was not that charismatic person immediately on the roster. Soon, KZ has taken up a kind of similar role but different but it him having a song like this and being such a popular person like more popular than his push i mean he him along with dragon kid are the only two people we're talking about today who never won the dreamgate title so it's one of those things that like whenever i i hear the opening to it it just immediately like takes me back to his dreamgate challenges takes me back to his final match and it's just one of those things that in, in like a period of eras that like the Kiritazawa era is probably the time period in Dragon Gate that I have the fondest memories of. Yeah, definitely. It's a pop song and pop songs are meant to be catchy and pleasing to listen to and they can be helpful in getting people to like a wrestler. Sure. But I, I guess what does really confuse me though is that it has these very catchy melodies and it's all sexy and fun. But Tozawa, he started using this theme in 2010, 2011. That was when he was a heel. Right. Like, he came back from Excursion and joined Blood Warriors, the big heel stable, which later became Mad Blanky. And yet he's coming out to this, like, happy-go-lucky pop-punk song. So it's kind of an odd contrast to me, Mike, you know? It is, and it's something that did not fit his character that much at the time. Because that was his last big heel run in Dragon Gate. Really his only one. Because he was kind of a tweener in Tozawa Juku because it was a big comedy stable and he would do heelish things. But it was kind of rubbed off like he was, oh, he's being like Sakura Chikawa. And then before that, like after that, when he was in Kamikaze, it wasn't really a heel stable unless you're referring to DGUSA. So it's a dichotomy. And it's one of those things that I've noticed that there is a difference between the original version that was played when he was in Blood Warriors and, and Mad Blanky and then a different version that was played when he was in Monsters Express and 
in after Monsters Monster Express and like his last few weeks in Dragon Gate. So it, it is totally weird though because the original version is a lot faster pace than the version that existed from Monster Express. Like the Monster Express one has like a more of a build up to it, and you would think that would be a a build up like a like drawn out until the opening would be more indicative of a heel, right? Yeah, they're kind of reversed in that sense, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, very strange. Um, yeah, I, I suppose, <laughs> I suppose at the end of the day, we should just be lucky that he did not have this song when he was in the Metabolic Brothers tag team, oh, and no. he was like super fat because that would have been a bit awkward. I think you know, having an overweight Akira Tozawa come out to this, you know, one more, be naked, baby. You're, you're like, uh, no thanks, I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> well, you know how much weight he lost after that, right? Oh, yeah, that transformation was incredible. He yeah. lost 40 kilos. So we're not talking about, like, a little bit of weight. If you've ever seen a photo and he's posted them on Twitter and Instagram, he was not a very handsome, overweight man, and he was not wearing a lot in the ring. So I'm glad this wasn't the case. Our next wrestler is another guy who, like Shima and Tozawa, spent many years in Dragon Gate before departing. It is Shingo Takagi, who right now is in New Japan Pro Wrestling as a member of LIJ. But no matter which promotion Shingo is in, it's a guarantee that he'll kick ass, take names, and look good doing it. His theme in Dragon Gate is by Hiroaki Sano. It's called... Legend Falconry. This song is just straight up badass. You know, there's no sexy lyrics, there's no multi-layered, high-pitched vocals or declarations about loving Cola. From start to finish, this song is just some badass warrior music. Even the name Legend Falconry is such a, a cool title for a song, and it conjures up these images of some ancient Japanese warrior with a sword in his hand and a bird on his shoulder, you know? And, and and Shingo is that guy. He is the baddest warrior. But he's also a modern-day warrior. Mean means dry. Today's Tom Sawyer, mean mean... Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Couldn't help it there. Couldn't help it. But that, that's who he is. That's who he is. He is the modern-day, just badass warrior. And the way that the song blends that traditional, you know, classic East Asian music with the modern-day metal music, I think that represents 
that aspect of Shingo so well, Mike. Oh yeah, and he is someone that for this theme, Legend Falconry, other than Speedstar, no theme fit the wrestler as a person and as a wrestler as Legend Falconry did. You know, I mean, it has it has all the drums and he's very much a bombastic person. You could definitely see him just sit because he's someone that's from the mountains outside of Mount Fuji. You can only imagine him like hiking and get to the end of a hike up of Mount Fuji while this is playing. And it's very it it's very fitting for him to have a theme like this and it fits with his character. He's someone that's known for being incredibly patriotic. He at one time, I don't know if this is the case, now that he's in New Japan. But he was the prefectorial ambassador for Yamanashi in his town. And that was a big deal. So it's very fitting for him. And it, it also feels like boss music. Is that just me thinking that it's boss music? Oh, yeah. This is absolutely like a big boss theme for sure. Yeah, this is a real heavy hitter. Yeah, and it just fits him so much, especially for his later character, that he was a heavy hitter. He was the boss in Berserk. And, y- you know, it's... He, he was a modern boss, like, in the way that he was very much a selfish, me-first person. And when you're talking about, like, East versus West, it kind of reminded me of how he was before, I would say, 2010, maybe, where he would always come out in, like, a leather jacket, and he always would have a tied flag around his waist. And it just was, like, very much of a East meets West kind of personality in a lot of ways, because you would always have, like, the cool leather jacket representing like his time in the u.s because he didn't wear a leather jacket before he came back from ring of honor and they always had the flag with him and it just fits him on so many different levels and i like as well how when you blend the two styles of music together the asian music and the metal music you get a scenario where one style complements the other style and vice versa because if this was just like the asian music all the way through it would not feel like an accurate representation of Shingo. The metal music, it adds that modern edge to the song. And on the flip side of it, if this was just the metal music all the way through, it would feel like another just run-of-the-mill generic metal wrestling song. Mm -hmm. So the East Asian music, that adds the flavoring to the song and spices it up a lot. And the result is what I feel is just... An awesome sound, you know? That's why I love Takamichinoku's theme and Hiroki Goto's theme and Kudo's theme. The styles just mesh so well together, Mike. Oh, yeah, and the styles mesh in a way that when, like, the big crescendo hits, usually when he's about to get into the ring, it's perfect. It just sets the scene in, like, no better way than having him coming down there as, like, you hear, like, the drums starting to clash and the cymbals clashing as he gets in the ring, and it's... It, it, he is kind of that East meets West in a, the same way. Like Hiroki Goto is very was very similar as a wrestler as him in, in the way that he is new meets old. I mean, Shingo is a he. They list him as a junior heavyweight, but I don't buy that. Do you buy that? Uh, I mean, the divisions are a little you know loosey goosey considering you know Zack Saber Junior is a heavyweight and. Shingo isn't, you yeah. know? So, yeah, I think it's one of those things where it's wrestling. You kind of just have to go with it right. for now. But I don't know. I, I don't think Shingo is long for this division, uh, Mike. It's, that's that's what I think anyway. So it is what it is. Oh, I'm with you there. The, the reason why I asked that is, in a lot of ways, he is a new style meshing, like, old and new 
and that he is this power junior that had a style that in a lot of ways was unique to himself. So in a lot of ways that relates back to the song. Like this is a song that was very unique to himself. And I don't know. It's, I've not always been a big fan of what's happened with him ever since he left Dragon Gate, but whenever I think about him, he always goes his own way, so it's fitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, here is something else I noticed that is pretty cool, I think. Tell me your thoughts on this. Mm-hmm. The song starts off with just the East Asian music, and then about 25 seconds in, the metal music comes in underneath the Asian music to support it. But then it gets to the minute mark, and that's when the punchy, aggressive metal overtakes the Asian music and becomes the focal point of the song. And from that point on, it's the Asian music that is underneath the metal music supporting it. And eventually, that Asian music goes away completely, and the song just ends with that kick-ass metal. And to me... That is who Shingo Takagi ultimately is. At first, he seems like your traditional, honorable, stoic Japanese warrior dude. But as time goes on, that veneer starts to crack. And from underneath, the aggressive, loud, boisterous, in-your-face jock asshole emerges. (laughs) And it wipes away any trace of that honor and that stoicism and whatnot. And we saw that firsthand when Shingo turned on Monster Express to form Berserk because he was a babyface and he was an okay babyface, but when he turned heel, he became just the biggest asshole high school bully douchebag around and he was just tremendous at it. That's his best stuff. And I think the music, as just coincidental as it is, plays into that so well, Mike. Oh, yeah. It, it absolutely does. He's someone that has that veneer of being like a righteous and an honorable person. And then as time goes on, as the theme goes on, it gets stripped away and you kind of see him at his core, which is a very selfish bully. I mean, he dropped his other nicknames of, of being the pumping hawk to be Mr. Selfish and going his own way when he joined Berserk. And when you say like high school jock, it reminds me of something that Jay Church, who is one of the big people in like the history of Dragon Gate, at least for the West, because he runs iHeartDG, used to have a podcast, and he had the best analogy to describe uh, to describe Shingo Takaki I've ever seen, and it was he's the guy who, in like days and confused, he would pull up in his trams and and try to beat up all the freshmen as much as he could and shove like the paddle, yeah, the paddle, yeah. like he he was the Ben Affleck character. You know, so it's perfect. Like, but I think you're dead on about the idea of like the the Asian music being stripped away, and all you have is the driving metal at the end, and that's who he is because that's perfect for Shingo Takagi. Right, right. And now Shingo is in New Japan, and his theme there is pretty similar to this one. You know, because mm-hmm. it starts off with that traditional music with the strings and the drums, but then it goes completely into the rock music without any. East Asian music to accompany it. So it's a much faster drop-off of the Asian music than Legend Falconry, but I think the song is still pretty cool, Mike. Oh, yeah. I have to say, of everything about him in New Japan, I like his theme the most. Other than him in the ring, I still think he is a fantastic wrestler. But between the the weird mask and the gear, I don't, I, he's a, he should be wearing a singlet. He's a singlet guy to me. 
I don't know if one year could cancel the last 15 in my head, but this, <laughs> the song is perfect for him. It fits him very well. If you weren't going to be able to get the Hiroaki Sano theme, this is a great version or evolution of it for him because it, it, it's very similar in the same ways that you were saying, Andrew. The second to last wrestler on the list here is the muscle half of Speed Muscle. We played Masato Yoshino's theme earlier. Now we're going to play the theme song of Naruki Doi. And Naruki Doi's theme is by a trusted name here on the show, Akma. Big love to Akma. Big love. <laughs> who has done so many just great Dragon Gate themes over the years. This is called Muscular Countdown. Do what you want. Muscular! You know, it was Chris Maffei, my old podcast partner, who said long ago on this program that his favorite stinger in wrestling is muscular, because it's a lot of fun, but it's also kind of ridiculous that someone would just shout muscular to start off a song, <laughs> and I think that's a good way to sum up the rest of this song. It's a lot of fun, the lyrics are very inspirational. And the music gets you pumped up and excited, but it's also just ridiculous. And if that doesn't just sum up so many great classic wrestling themes, Mike, I don't know what would. Yeah, and the stinger and being ridiculous and the song being ridiculous kind of fits Naruki Doi in a lot of ways, too. I mean, he's very much a very vibrant person. His nickname translated is Rampaging Muscle, and... It's so fitting that some of his lyrics are like, now your will is so muscular. Yes, you can do anything. Yes, you can be anyone. It just fits him very well. And it, it's a ridiculous stinger and a ridiculous kind of theme for someone who at his heart is a very ridiculous person. What exactly is a muscular countdown? Is it like a countdown to having muscles? Is it a spinoff of the British game show countdown with like bodybuilders? What is it, Mike? I think in Naruki Doi's mind, the muscular countdown is a countdown until all his dreams come true. And his dream is to become so muscular. So that's what I'm hoping, is that he's counting down and he thinks like each match, and each time the theme is played, he's going to get more and more jacked. And he definitely was a guy for a time who was one of the most jacked guys on the roster. I'll take that answer. I'll take that answer. Sure, sure. Um, what I want to focus on here with this one are the comparisons to Yoshino's theme. 
because there are similarities between the two, you know, because both of them are these pumped-up rock songs. They both have the stinger being prominently featured throughout the song. The lyrics sum up their respective wrestlers quite well, and they're both inspirational in their own ways, especially in this song with the lyrics, because the lyrics are, yes, you can do anything, yes, you can be anyone, do what you want, do what your soul tells you to do, muscular, do what you want, do what you need to be alive, muscular. But there are also differences between the two songs. Like with Yoshino's theme, the stinger is so drawn out and dramatic. Doi's stinger, meanwhile, is blunt and to the point. Yoshino's song has a pretty clean sound to it, whereas Doi's theme is kind of cluttered and grimy and a little distorted as well. And the same goes for the vocalists, because on the one hand, you have Yoko Kubota, who has just this powerful, angelic voice, and on the other hand, you have this grimy, lower-registered kind of smoker's voice in Doi's theme. So there are things that they, they do share, and there are things that they don't, and I think that's true for Doi and Yoshino in real life, because they're alike in some ways, they're different in others. And I think that's what makes them such great tag partners in Speed Muscle, and as well, that's what makes them such great opponents. Yeah, absolutely. And the the big thing that kind of differentiates Muscular Countdown to Speed Starting Me is it definitely feels like ACMA runs the guitars through some sort of distortion, some pedals or some, some post-production, whereas we were talking about how clean the instrumentation is on Speed Star. And it, it really shows off how these two are cut. They've always been eternally linked and they'll be this way until they retire. Like, it's interesting to me that they never had a dedicated tag team theme, like how Nesca had their theme. And, but this arguably Speed Muscles, Yoshidoi, are even more prestigious in a lot of ways than Kness and Suzumi Yokosuka. But it, it fits that like the two themes like it, it they mirror each other like how you're saying. But at the same time that it's very much that I feel like they link together in a lot of other ways too. Right, right, yeah. And continuing with that Doyoshino connection, I know it's kind of a running joke at this point that Naruki Doi loves to turn on Masato Yoshino, and you would think you know that at this point Yoshino would take the hint. To not trust Doi, especially if you listen to Doi's theme song, because the goddamn subtitle is Do What You Want. You know, the, the whole song is about taking charge of your life and looking out for yourself and not letting anybody hold you back. You cannot change your past, but you can change your future if you wish and act. You've never been the second. You are the number one. It's time to open up your eyes. Five, four, three, two, one, go. And it's like, hello, there's a giant neon sign here, Yoshino. Pay attention, he will turn on you. But he doesn't pay attention. And I'm sure that someday soon, Doi will turn on Yoshino once again and make him look like a big idiot once again because he didn't bother to listen to the song, Mike. Oh, no. And the sooner might be uh, might be coming up very soon as they've already played this up there was a show on 
the 10th where they're leading up to a giant cage match dragon gate's big ridiculous cage match of the year because when dragon gate does something to do something to such a ridiculous and convoluted degree that there's like a list of rules to it and the two partners who've been back together only for a little under two years are already talking about like yoshino's already saying you've turned on me twice i'm not gonna let you do this to me a third time it's just like masato dude you have to put the knife in his chest first because He's going to put it in your back if you ever turn around because he is that kind of person and this theme fits him so much in that regards because he is the most calculating person in the promotion. He always talks about having schemes going on and, oh, the things I've been doing backstage will blow your mind. It's very it's very fitting for him in that regard. I think any man who dyes his hair gray on purpose should not be trusted, Mike, okay? I, that's my rule, this, okay? I'm sorry. But at the same time, he looks like such a Bond villain when he does. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> so we've reached the 10th and final theme, the last wrestler of this episode here, Mike. And this guy is a former Dream Gate champion, a former Twin Gate champion, and a former Freedom Gate champion for DG USA. He goes by the nickname The Almighty. No, not Bobby Lashley. It's Yamato. And Yamato's theme here is also by ACMA. This is called Yamato Spirit Vicious Dictator Mix. So, looking back on all ten of the songs here, Mike, I enjoy all of them to some degree. Yamato Spirit, though, I gotta say, this is my favorite theme of the episode, and one of my favorite Dragon Gate themes of all time, because all the songs get me fired up in some way, but this one gets me fired up the most, and it takes me to a whole nother level, because from the opening note... It's just a sonic boom that grabs you by the balls and flings you into the sky and you're just soaring through the clouds with so much fire and intensity with the music and the vocals. I'm standing here with my Yamato spirit! And when I listen to it, I feel like I can accomplish anything. And that's what the best wrestling themes do, Mike. You know, they inspire you just as much as they do the wrestlers. This theme, you know, it's just, it's fantastic, Mike. I love it. Absolutely. And I'll let you in on a piece of Iron Mike Spears trivia here. I'll pull, I'll pull back the curtain a little bit. This is my alarm to wake up each morning. I believe it. Yeah. Just because of, like, the, uh, 
I don't know if it's a note or if it's just a klaxon or a foghorn that starts off the song because it gets you up and then the lyrics are driving, the, the song itself is driving, and it's very, it, it puts you at alert very quickly. So as someone who sleeps very deep, having that kind of noise is great. Do it. And then the song after the first note is an amazing song too. I mean, the lyrics on the song are probably the most simple one of the 10 we've talked about tonight, but it fits him in a lot of different ways. And in some ways it's been contradictive or been a contradiction about Yamato's character, but it's, it's so fitting, especially now with him and Tri Vanguard being like the unit that's supposed to be at the forefront of Dragon Gate and being at the lead that he would have a song that is about the rectitude, the respect and the benevolence and courage. So it fits him so well. And I feel like I say that a lot, but but the more I think about Yamato's spirit, the more I think about Akma as they've always been able to, to create songs that fit these wrestlers and not just like the ring styles, but their personalities and them as characters so well. And I think Akma does a great job. And I think the different remixes, like this one in particular, the uh, Vicious Dictator remix is such a great version of it. And this Yamato's character who has changed a lot over the years this theme has changed too with it and it fits him very well. Yeah, it's like we've come full circle in a way because we started off with a song that had so much high energy and powerful vocals and bombastic music and emotional lyrics and now we're ending with a song that also has so much high energy and powerful vocals and bombastic music and emotional lyrics and you know I, I do find these lyrics to be quite emotional. I know they're not as flowery or poetic as, like, the Dragon System lyrics are. They're quite simple, really, because, you know, there's only eight lines in the whole thing. But the way that the vocalist sings them and the, the, the spirit, no pun intended, uh, behind the song gives it that, you know, that emotional boost. It's for the rectitude. It's for the respect. It's for the benevolence and, and so on and so forth. It's like, God damn, it's really stirring up these emotions inside of me, Mike. It's so powerful. Absolutely. And it fits him as a character who has had so much feelings and so much emotion behind him. I mean, his first character was actually nicknamed the Battleship, and his name was Yamato based off of the World War II ship Battleship Yamato. And when this theme was was his then, it fit him there. Now that he is the almighty and the omniscient, it fits him in a whole entire different way that he is someone that is for all these very thought-provoking and emotive th- lines in the song. It is, it, it's such a great job of doing it, and it's so stirring, especially the the clashes at the end of choruses and all of it, and the really cool effect. I'm not a... If people haven't picked up this time, I have no musical ability whatsoever, but there's almost like a whistle that goes on this song that I feel like Fit, that kind of fits him in a weird way. It's the doo-doo-doo-doo whistle. I probably am horribly off-key, but there's just little things about the song that each time I listen to it and actually focus and listen to it, I pick out a different thing about the song that I like. Yeah, and I was thinking about this as well. You can look at it in two ways, this song. It can be the theme for Yamato, of course, and be about his attitudes in wrestling. He is about respect. He is about courage and so on and so forth. But it could just as easily be a song for Dragon Gate itself. Courage, honor, 
loyalty, respect, these are the ideals that the company upholds. All you have to do really is change that line to, I'm standing here with my dragon spirit, and it would work. So I think it's a much deeper song than I think people may realize, Mike. Oh, yeah. And you mentioned how it fits the promotion on a whole. He was the person that when they moved through Eris, especially after Shima left the promotion, took joined, started leading things in OWE. It's a very complicated situation. But he very much became one of the focal points and became, if not, only, if not the ace, he became the company guy in a lot of ways. He would sell his curry he would sell his pasta sauces because he is a because he is a licensed food professional, which is always a funny thing to talk about. But he would, whenever they would do interviews and where they do like local signings, he would always be there. So the idea that this song could also be a song for Dragon Gate fits on so many different levels. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do have one more pun, and I don't really have a good transition for it, so I'll just go ahead and do it. You say Yamato, I say Yamato, let's call the whole thing off. <laughs> Boom! Roll the credits, we're out of here. <laughs> Music of the Mad is intended for entertainment and information purposes. <laughs> well, hey, you can y- Yamato Yamato with the Chef Yamato Almighty Dragon Deli pasta sauce, which is available, available at-, at your local grocery store. <laughs> they-, they do sell it online, and I almost thought about buying one just because I was already buying things from the website. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to try it because I don't, I can't read Japanese, but let's see what it is. All right. Those were 10 classic Dragon Gate themes. And I got to say, if you're looking for a company that just has a super solid batting average for wrestling themes, Dragon Gate is your place. The energy, the spirit, the variety of the music, and just you know, the fun of it all. It really is just so much fun going through the Dragon Gate discography and discovering all these different songs, Mike. Yeah, and they're a company that does not, as you said, they have a high batting average. They put out new themes this year, and each of them are a bop as well. The Young Kids Got Themes. And I know they're going to release a special album this year for their 20th anniversary, so there will be an Open the Music Gate 2019 that I'm counting down because there's apparently some rare songs there. But even with when I'm kind of down and low on Dragon Gate, I know that I'll listen to the theme music and I'll get jazzed up and ready to watch the shows. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Mat. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, Mike, I want to give a giant thank you to you for being on the show here and providing your expertise on the subject matter. You're just you're, you're a great friend. You're a smart dude. And uh, you survived my puns as well. So you made it through there. Congratulations. Hey. <laughs> but uh, uh, seriously, though, seriously, thank you so much for being here. This was just an absolute blast. Oh, absolutely. I'm so stoked to do this. This is a delight. It's one of my favorite podcasts to listen to from the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. So being on here and talking with you, Andrew, has been an absolute delight. And thank you for having me. Any plugs you want to give? Go right ahead. Oh, absolutely. So, as Andrew nicely said at the beginning of the show, I am the host of Open the Voice Gate. It is a monthly, give or take, podcast looking into the shows of Dragon Gate and a look at the overall Dragon system at large. There should be a new episode coming out over the next few days that's talking, that I talk about the last few shows in February and then the crazy month that they've had so far in March. 
And as well, I am one of the co-hosts of Everything Elite, and it is a weekly podcast looking into all elite wrestling, the buildup of the promotion that is done with my friends Aaron Bentley, Nate, a.k.a. Epidesis, and sometimes Aaron Taub when he is not busy canvassing and, you know, doing politics stuff. But other than that, you can follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Fujiheya, that is Fuji, like Don Fuji. But thank you again, Andrew. I had a blast tonight. Oh, you betcha. This was just this was just so much fun, yeah. And you can follow this show on Twitter at Music of the Mat. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. You can find the YouTube playlist for this and all past episodes at the VOW forums. That's voicesofwrestling.com slash forum. And of course, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other other places mike thank you so much again and i can't wait to have you back on the show sometime soon absolutely all right for mike spears i'm andrew rich and i'll see you next time on music of the mat take care guys music of the mat is intended for entertainment and information purposes only the songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders